kisses him. Is this a kissing show? Get your lips off, Murdoch. Oh. Welcome to Mystery Maniacs. Mystery Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to mystery TV. Each week, we dig into an episode of a show including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. This week, Murdoch Mysteries, Convalescence, Season 2, Episode 9. Yes. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. I'll tell you what this podcast isn't, Sarah. Hmm. It's not an ancient Greek legends podcast. <laughs> Myths and Legends podcast. No, I have to apologize for, well, to everybody for my mention of ancient Greek mythology last week. And uh, yeah, I screwed that up. So sorry to all the teachers who ever taught me some stuff. I really should have looked it up and refreshed my mind before I spoke. Uh, Ariadne, not Arachne and all kinds of other things that I screwed up on. Yep. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many <laughs> ancient Greek... Well, classes actually, I've had. Well, actually. And I've just lost them all, apparently. Uh, this is a spoiler podcast, and if you let your kids go into other people's dreams and send them warnings, they can listen to this podcast. They're creepy, but they can listen. <laughs> Beware of them, but they can listen. Owen is the omen. I'm sorry. He is one creepy kid. Sarah has a theory. I'll, I'll mention Which I completely agree with. <laughs> it's a conspiracy theory that I will mention later. Yes. Original air date, the 17th of March, 2009. Eleanor Lindo directed this and Paul Atkin wrote it. I'm just stoked about this episode. I don't know if it's just because I'm in a super good mood or if it's just because this episode is so fun. I think it's because we're now kind of halfway through the Enid stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ian's almost gone. She somebody did mention to us that she does appear in five episodes, which she does. But I do believe the last two episodes she's in, she's in very minor Mm -hmm. parts, or not, or just flashbacks. Yeah, it's not active romantic entanglement episodes. Not kissing episodes. Oh, she. Is this a kissing show? Get your lips off, Murdoch. No, I'm in a good mood because outside right now where we are in Indiana, it is just over 70 degrees, which means fall is coming. I had a pumpkin spice latte this week, thanks to you bringing it to me. I just found out that Frosty's at Wendy's are going to start coming in pumpkin spice flavor next week. Yes, they will. I'm super excited. Just about anything pumpkin spice, I'm all about it. I'm not a Starbucks person, but just about any place else. I've got dinner in the crock pot. Yes. Like, that is so fall. It is fall. There is a Mississippi roast making our whole house smell nice right now. Maybe we should have fire tonight outside. Man, I don't know if we're there quite yet. Okay. I made snickerdoodles last weekend. I'll tell you one thing. It's 32 days to hockey, baby. It's only three weeks to the 1st of October, which is... That stresses me out. That does not make me happy. Yeah, we between but, now and the first, sorry, the second of November, because the first of November is one of my one of those sort of alignments that I dislike immensely, which is uh, it is the first of the month. Mm-hmm. It is a Wednesday, mm-hmm. so uh, and it's the day after Halloween. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I, we tear down Halloween like that day. So there's the, all that. Yeah. Plus it's the first of the month, so I have to do my monthly planning. <laughs> right. Yes. Plus it's newsletter Wednesday. Yes. It it's just it's one of those days in which things stack up. Well, I'm sorry that you're stressed out by it. I am extremely happy. I know. I'm going to take the day off work, so. It's really not all that stressful. I don't think I've ever mentioned that every Sunday I bake enough goodies of some sort to take at least six dozen of something to yep. work on Mondays. Yes. I Sarah feeds her. Feed most of the business school on yeah. Mondays with some kind of treats. And it is officially okay to make things with cinnamon in them now. Yes. Because we've, it's we've not passed, 80 degrees outside. Past uh, Labor Day. I can't wear my white shoes, but I can eat cinnamon. <laughs> Speaking of food, this episode is all food related. Food, but not but no, bad food. no good food. No good food. No. No, no. So right off the bat, we well, first of all, just let me put a little teaser in here that we are gonna end this episode with one of the best horrible movies I have ever found. If I could, we would do it at the top, but that's not that's not no, how we do we it. Do. But it is so good. I cannot wait You're to get there. Teasing that horrible movie. If I'm rushing through the episode, <laughs> it's because I cannot wait to get to the horrible movie. I really hope I haven't seen it because if you're like. Even if you have, it's going to be epic. If you're going to be like, blah, 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 I'm like, oh yeah, I got the video of that. It's over there. <laughs> I'm going to be like, then why didn't you never tell me? It's so bad. So right off the bat, we find out that there is an escaped prisoner from Kingston Penitentiary. From Kingston, of course he's from Kingston Penitentiary. Joel Harris is on the run. Is that a color photo that Bracken Reed is waving around? No, but it sure looks like it. I think it's it's sepia toned, but it's obviously been photoshopped to sepia and it's mm -hmm. not completely desaturated of color. It looks a little bit like a color picture. Keep your eyes. Please. But Murdoch doesn't care because he's got a package. I got an Amazon delivery. It <laughs> <laughs> just walked straight through. From the Precision Optics Company. I'm kind of nostalgic for when packages used to be rare, you know, like when you get you got a package in the mail and it was like special. So we get packages every day. Yep. So one time I got Sarah for her birthday uh this sort of mystery in a box thing. It's it's right over there. Yeah. Yep. It was delivered in a literal wooden crate. And so I had to prep her. I was like, I bought you something. It's coming in an actual wooden crate. So you're going like, to need tools. <laughs> don't like throw this away or <laughs> worry that it's something that it isn't. It's, yeah. Well, I remember I bought one for my uncle and I had to call him and tell him it was coming because I didn't want him to be suspicious of the package because yeah. I knew it would look really sus in the they mail. They do a super good job. Yeah. <laughs> so. He gets this box and I mean, wooden crates, first of all, are just kind of awesome to get in the mail. But Though, uh, second of all, do you know the name of that, that shredded filling that's in the box? Do you know what that's called? The packing, packaging, um, cushion stuff? No idea. It's called Excelsior. What? That's what they call. That's what Stan Lee says. No, no, no. That, that shredded wood fiber Excelsior. stuff. Excelsior. It's called Excelsior. And he's got lenses in there. Yeah. Are they parabolic? Oh, well. we'll Bracken get, Reed we'll whips out all of the verbs, all the words he knows for lenses at once and feels very impressed with himself and then completely deflates when Murdoch corrects him on as it. As soon as stupid Enid starts talking about parabolic lenses, I'm like, maybe he should date Bracken Reed instead of her. 
in a quickie lickety split. There's a body in an alley. Yep. He's been placed there. It's all bloody. They don't know who he is. They go on a chase. They chase a guy with a wheelbarrow who's clearly coming to <laughs> collect the body, <laughs> apparently. The worst killer of all yeah. time. Shows up. Well, you know, killers are notorious for revisiting the crime scene. Which reminds with me. With wheelbarrows. Which reminds me. It's three scenes he's in. Yeah, that's true. Because that's the first time we see Brickhouse. Yeah. If it's him. If it's him. I think it is. Yeah. So, of course, Murdoch and Crabtree go chasing after him in the most awkward chase across the weirdest roofs I've ever seen. Yeah. Those roofs, where did they film this? Like, no building in Toronto has roofs like that now. The only big flat roof like that I've ever seen is on top of a school. Yeah. Like a really big building that has, like, little additions added to it that are all contiguous. I read way too many Marvel comics when I was a kid. I thought that I would be able to, when I eventually moved to New York City, be able to transverse the city easily. (laughs) Like Spider-Man? Across roofs. (laughs) Yes. I may have been a little naive about New York City as a child. You'd be more likely to be able to do it in like semi-detached row houses, like the condos that are across the street from us. You could go from roof to roof on those. You could, and I bet you, like downtown Bloomington, I bet you you could do pretty well. If you could jump across an alley every once in a while, which I would be too weenie to do, but yeah. yeah. But then, you know, in the midst of his parkour, Murdoch takes a fall. Yeah, which and lands on a big wooden crate. (laughs) My notes say, and Murdoch dies. Yes. He's lucky he's not impaled on a piece of that big crate. Yeah. Because that could have easily happened. It broke his fall. So instead, he's just got cracked ribs, torn ligaments, a big cut, bruises, a concussion. And a murderous stand-in landlady. Because that happens. You shouldn't be whimpering about this needle. It's just a little mercury. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no! So that's a that's a thing that Murdoch does, of course, where we all know that probably injecting mercury is not the best thing in the world. It's the worst thing you could do. But, of course, this isn't the worst way to have mercury injected. Because no. you know what mercury was the most common treatment for? Wasn't it for blindness? No. Oh. Syphilis. Oh, whoa. Hey, now. Back in the days of the pirates, many a pirate who had caught syphilis would have mercury injected directly into his equipment. Whoa. Like a big plunger of a needle shoved right into it to shove mercury where it was most needed, you know. We need to move on. (laughs) Is that making you hurt? Is that painful to hear? It's just just not that kind of episode because... (laughs) It's not like a young woman is alone with Murdoch in his room with the door shut on his bed. They're that, married now, I by think, the way. Yeah, but we don't want that to be the case. Because no. we want Ina to go away. They give him tapioca. Okay, so this episode hit home because, and I hope my brother and my sister are not listening to this part, <laughs> though they know. Yes. My mother is not the best cook. Mrs. Kitchen means well. My mother she's meant a, well. She's a nice landlady, but she's not a good cook, apparently. But being in bed, sick, and a woman bringing bad food, I am familiar with this <laughs> situation. <laughs> the, well, I don't want to get worse. Stop bringing yes. me this. this she gives him tapioca, happen. too, which I hate. And Ugh. a big glass of milk to oh. go with it. That's a bad mix. Yeah. I looked into how tapioca beads are made, and it's pretty boring. Oh, it is. I thought maybe it was interesting. Like, What is it? So it's tapioca starch, which yeah. is a lot like um, cornstarch. It looks like cornstarch. And you mix boiling water in with it, and it makes kind of a Play-Doh 
that you then roll out into ropes and then cut into small pieces and kind of roll around until it it, it um, kind of polishes itself into a bead. And then you let them kind of dry, and then you boil them in sugar water. It, yeah. I think you should have one of those big, huge straws sucking the tapioca beads like, out. Of like it. boba tea? Yeah, like a boba tea. <laughs> I always want to say boba fett tea. A cook she is not. No. But no, she says, No finer words could describe my mother. <laughs> she says, Let me know if you need anything. Just come tap on my door. This man can barely move. And she says, Just come knock on my door. Yeah. Like, give him a little bell to ring or something. That's okay. He's got all the ladies taking care of him that he needs. He does. Between Enid and Julia and Mrs. Kitchen all and her good ladies. friend, Mrs. Burgess. All the single ladies. <laughs> I think Mrs. Kitchen is a widow. And Mrs. Burgess is a fake, so who She's knows? She's a faker, fake, fake student. But while he's recovering, Crabtree gets to pretend to be a detective. And this is like... The first time Crabtree goes detective on I'm us. I'm going to challenge you many there. times. George is a detective. He doesn't pretend to be. Okay. I th- he gets to temporarily be a detective. And I think he does a good job. First of all, that suit looks great on him. It does. George looks like. It's probably his one suit. Yeah. George that he wears to court and funerals. Episode. And you, you could tell a couple of things. One, you could tell George has been listening to Murdoch and learning. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, th- sure. I think th- with this plot, as we said, I don't know if it's the A or the B plot, the whole George and Higgins thing, I think they do awesome. Yeah, because they could be Laurel and Hardy, right? Oh, they could, could be, be a couple of, of dumbasses plodding around, not solving a case, but they actually do a solid job. Now, Crabtree's a little full of himself initially. Yep. I'm going to solve it by noon or yep. this this afternoon or whatever. And uh, Bracken Reed has to say, well, if we if you solve it before it's time for us to all get a, go get a pint, I'll kiss that parrot. Yeah. Or does he say eat that parrot? I think he I says kiss know. that parrot. Maybe. Because the parrot does not like him. The parrot that they find in the French restaurant that yes. was owned by the victim who is missing part of a finger. Yeah. Okay. Well, the parrot is the second best character in the episode. Yes, I agree. And luckily, the two best characters appear in in a scene together. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, Murdoch is still recovering, and Mrs. Jones comes to see him. Me! And Mrs. No, Jones, no, we no. got a thing. It's a bad thing going on. Going on. She, oh, I don't like her. I love how- I've made that clear. Ju- Julia- <laughs> Just ignores her. Basically. Yeah. But, you know, later when Murdoch is really sick, Enid goes to Julia for help. That That is a big thing. To me, that means Enid actually cares that he gets better and doesn't let her pride get in the way. Or it's part of the plot it, that we'll talk about. It, it very well could be. Yeah. But Mrs. Kitchen, though she is a nice lady and seems to actually care, apparently is not a very good housekeeper because there are mice in the house. And the mouse likes the tapioca. Murdoch needs to move. (laughs) (laughs) Needs to get another place. Needs to go to another place. And instead of the morgue of flirtation, it's the morgue of... (laughs) (laughs) Do you think Julia goes over the top here for Crabtree's benefit 
Oh, I think she's playing with him. You for think sure. she's having fun? I think so. Because she, man, she always puts her face way too close to stomach milk, but she really does it this time. Oh, I, I she's am, like, mmm, shallots. I have no doubt <laughs> that her and Bracken read over a whiskey in his room were like, and then I sniffed it and said it was shallots. I pretended I took a sip. Oh, yeah, I gave him the old, well, this is the real job starting now speech. <laughs> and we get the first... Of of Murdoch's mercury opium dream sequences too. Well, th- before that, we find out that he's eaten his own finger. Okay, not Murdoch. No, Larue has we, eaten his own we, finger. We find out that Larue's because she put Julia has it in some tongs and practically sticks it up Crabtree's <laughs> nose. <laughs> what was that doing his stomach? Look, it's finger food. Ah! <laughs> and like shoves it right in his face. Julia. Kills it. She has a good sense of humor. In this episode. <laughs> She's having fun. And Murdoch in his silky, satiny, matching pajamas, dreaming about the two women that have torn his heart apart. Yes. So for this episode, I have a great picture for the promo materials of Murdoch in the silky pajamas with the goggles on. <laughs> Just... Fantastic. <laughs> That's not the right accessory to wear with your pajamas. No. So so he's having some Mercury dreams with lots of running here. Yeah. And uh, Enid goes, William, stop. Stop. <laughs> these, these dream sequences must be weird to film because they have to act really weird in them. Yeah, because as an actor... You want to play the part as you're supposed to, but if you're playing that part in a dream sequence, it's got to be a bit different, right? Yeah. I can't quite put my finger on how, but it can't just be straight character. And then there's Alwyn, who's creepy all the time, so it doesn't matter. Yes. So Mrs. Kitchen is gone. Yes. she's Her sister has typhus, <laughs> and the porters are here to pick up the luggage, which is, and we'll mention this when we go over all these, another reference to she's gone to see her sister is mm-hmm. we're window reference. This whole episode is a reference to Alfred Hitchcock's rear window. The fact I'd that, say the beginning also references Virgo. Yeah. The fact that Murdoch is laid up in bed, that he's kind of sequestered, he can't go about his normal duties and things are happening around him that he's not well enough he to do anything about. Noises. People are telling him lies. The end fight involves a bright object. Yeah, it's total rear yep. window. It's it's uh, Jimmy Stewart's camera flash. If you've never seen Rear Window, by the way, stop listening to us and go watch it. Oh. What is wrong with you? Grace, I have. It's got Grace Kelly. I have spoken at length at least an hour on Doyle's suits in that uh, in that movie. <laughs> Doyle the, is a minor character. He's the policeman. Him. If you've never seen in, it in that. In that movie, and I love his suits so much. So Mrs. Kitchen is gone. Now, why Murdoch remotely accepts that Mrs. Kitchen would go away for an extended period of time, and long enough that it would require her to take trunks of things and not come and tell him she was leaving? she would have told him. She would have told him. She would have wanted her things. She would have wanted. I did. I did. When when he finds- A little Clapham Cook reference there. Yeah, a little Clapham Cook there. I did think- because I'm this kind of person. Later, how long has she been tied up? Long enough to be messy. Yeah. I was like... Three or four days. Yeah. She should be messy. <laughs> I'm glad she's not, though. Yeah. Because that would be 
too much detail. Yes. Assuming that they must have untied her on occasion. It's not like she's going to fight. Yeah. Right. But I also don't think that that scarf in her mouth is going to keep her from yelling loud enough for Murdoch to hear her. Anyway, we're jumping way ahead. Yes. Mrs. Burgess must be running a long con here, right? Yeah. She meets... So she... Her name's Emily. Okay. She gets a letter. Okay. Really, the very first thing is the cellmate... Of the guy who has escaped. Yeah. Tells him. Joel Harris's cellmate says, I stashed some gold at this address. Yes. So when Joel Harris escapes, so he sends, goes after the gold. Sends him a letter, sends her a letter or something. Something, yeah. Get a job at this address. She doesn't work there. I Go to that church yeah. where the lady who owns that house goes to church. Make friends with her. Attend all the church socials until you become best friends so that you can go to her house and tie her up. And pretend to live there so that you can this investigate. This is an expensive con. And we too. can find that, this gold. That wig's pretty good wig. You know, that would be expensive. I don't think so. It's covered by a bonnet most of the I time. suppose. But I also think Mrs. Kitchen's a very nice lady. So yeah. she would have made friends with the new lady at church fast and whatever. I'm with you, though. It should have been thought. They should have thought that Mrs. Kitchen was in the luggage. It would have been better if you thought maybe she was stuffed in a trunk. Maybe. Mate, like there was just a trunk that was a little leaky in the attic. Yep. A little drip, drip through the ceiling. So the French restaurant is the crime scene. Well, Higgins is first to say it was a gang killing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those gangs that atta- attack French chefs. Yes. And we get to meet the parrot. The parrot. You go now. To cochon. Okay. As a person who barely speaks French, all the French in this episode is absolutely correct. Mm. And I, I wanted to say, it's not mentioned here, but it soon will be, that Murdoch speaks fluent French. Mm-hmm. And he, the, the actor speaks French, too. Like As every I, good Canadian does, right? I, well, bonjour. <laughs> um, I think that, I think... It's very important to them, especially now, later on. You'll see there's more French later on. They have more interactions with people who are from Quebec and stuff, and his French comes in handy. But he's not not part of that story in this episode. Nope. I spit on you. You call this vomit quiche? He's an awesome bird. That bird is awesome. You're a pig. want a cracker. (laughs) You go now. You get out. And poor Higgins. So Higgins grew up on the Gaspé. That's where his mother's from. Do you know where that Gas is? Gasp Bay. It's Gasp. To- oh. It's like <gasps> no, Gasp? No, no. Gasp is in G-A-S-P-E. Oh. Ex-Santegui. Oh. So he's Gasp-A. from the, the Frenchy part of Canada. Uh, it's the So it is the southern part of Quebec that is closest to the maritime provinces. So he it's, should speak fluent French too. Yeah, his he says his mother's from there. So he I would think that she would teach him a little more. Mm, well it's it is of, Henry. Yeah. It's she part, might have and he didn't listen. It's like where the Atlantic Ocean becomes the St. Lawrence River. Okay. So he understands Couchon. Yeah. And uh La Bonne Nuit, you know what that is? No. Oh you don't? No. The good night. Ah. I speak no French. None. As long as I know it's who not that, is. As long as it's not that horrible French restaurant from Poirot. <laughs> <laughs> I spit at you. You go now. You get out. You go now. Okay. I think it's time we talked about this conspiracy because this is where Enid tries to be scientific. Hmm. Here's my theory. Folks. Speaking of the long con. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is one of those conspiracy theories that's the right along the lines of we didn't really land on the moon because we know we did, but it's just kind of fun to think about. No, this is believable. Yeah, it's that's far, not far believable. more possible than that. Yeah. I think it's possible that Enid and her son are pulling a long con on Murdoch and that they have been observing him enough to know what he likes and dislikes. My mom does goats too. And pe- have shaped themselves into people who can insinuate themselves into his life, such as, oh, I built a telescope for all in once. I say words like focal length and it makes you all excited. <laughs> Can you say anything sexier to Murdoch than focal length and I built a telescope for fun? Oh, like what, what other things would only Murdoch find sexy and make his long eyelashes flutter? <laughs> like focal I was length? reading on... Uh, I was reading The Origin of Species for fun the other night before I went to bed, and <laughs> you're like, what? If you said taxonomy, his head would explode. You're the woman of my dreams. No. I added extra cylinders to my gas-powered velocipede. <laughs> I made an electric motor out of an, an eraser, an elastic band, and, and a, a cow. <laughs> <laughs> I can send Morse code in four languages. Like, ha, ha, ha. She's totally feeding them. I was so sad to miss the battery exhibit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think I love you. Okay. She also does something here. She feeds him like he's a baby and it makes me want to slap her. Feeds him like he's a baby. His arms aren't broken. He can eat all by himself. Get back, woman. Sometimes in my notes, I make references to myself. In this section, I have Mark hates rebound town. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't last long it's okay uh, <laughs> it's sad that when he has the dream that Julia's lying next to him that I was like oh good okay it's like a little window of, of sanity before Enid and her creepy kid yeah Pierre LaRue is who the dead body is yeah I knew him well for 15 years the chef who lopped his own finger off while cutting carrots and pickled it in a jar. Okay, he was Julian and carrots? How did he cut his finger off Julian and carrots? I don't know. Because it takes a lot of effort to cut your finger off. Like it takes like a, a big butcher's knife, one of those big square knives, like the one you got me last year for Christmas, at like a big swing. Not like a little, yeah. uh, the rocking motion you make when you're Julianing. Yeah. There was a fight with the sous chef over creme brulee. It's raw! <laughs> You call this vomit quiche? I'm I'm with you. The bird should sound like uh, oh, like Gordon Ramsay. Like Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> it's raw. We have said bird. <laughs> it's a horrid beast. He hates the bird. That should be a thought right there. As soon as you think that somebody hates animals, they're the killer. that makes them a bad person. Yeah. How could you hate? How could you hate a bird? So you had, you had a thought here. That his name's LaRue, but that doesn't make sense because he doesn't have red hair. No. Okay. So later, Crabtree theorizes that maybe the parrot doesn't like people with red hair because maybe the murderer was had red hair. Yeah. And that's why he acts, the parrot reacts so strongly to Brackenreed. Yeah. But LaRue means the redhead. Yeah. I just thought it was just like a funny little coincidence, basically. It's a weird coincidence. There's more thumping and not the kind that Murdoch wants. <laughs> With Enid? You're Ugh. gross. No. Feed me, Enid. 
Ugh. When he has that dream and Alwyn is at the foot of his bed and he says, you should wake up now. There's someone in your room. You creepy child. I love how after three episodes in which we remarked about it, about Murdoch correcting other people about things, she says, you have to feed a fever and starve a cold. And Murdoch's actually like, actually it's, and she just completely ignores it. She just shoves food in his face. <laughs> Here, eat this poisoned food. Yes. She's totally in on it. I'm telling you. She's got that, what is it, Munchausen by proxy? Yeah, she does. I'm going to... I'm going to pitch in on this poisoning thing so that you need my help. Mm, it's kind of misery, you know? Kind of like, let me tie up your feet yeah. and hit them with a big sledgehammer so I can help you. <laughs> I like how Henry here is actually helpful in the investigation. Yeah, because like he can George, speak parrot. <laughs> George, George is making assumptions, and Higgins is like, you can't make that assumption about knives because mm -mm. chefs use knives. Mm-hmm. Murdoch's listening in the walls next door. All the rooms are mixed up in this episode. Yeah, I don't know what's what in yeah. this house, except there's upstairs and downstairs. Um, but when Crabtree and Brackenreed come to visit and Murdoch in his big fever is like, there's thumping, there's people in the attic. They at least humor him and go up there and look. Yeah. Ina doesn't even do that. She just keeps pumping the poison food into yeah. him. Oh, shut up and eat this. It's worse than Mrs. Kitchen. But then Crabtree and Brackenreed are like the meddling friends who visit. Like if you have a teenager who's sick and their friends come and visit, and you're like, you shouldn't be here. You should go away. They always make it worse somehow. Yes. They like kick over the vomit bucket or something. You know, like just go, okay? Brackenreed puts his foot through the ceiling. <laughs> just get out. So Julia goes, I don't know why he has delirium. I'm only feeding him mercury and opium. Mercury and opium. <laughs> like, no wonder he's having illusions. That treatment doesn't agree with everybody, Mark. I'm, certainly not. <laughs> and then George talks about his dream. <laughs> in which he can pull plums out of a navel. <laughs> and then he wakes up and there's still a plum in his navel. <laughs> what would Freud say about plums in your belly button? I'm sunk to my bloody pebbles. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bracken Reed. <laughs> that makes me think of that awesome scene in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation when Chevy Chase puts his foot through the ceiling and can't leave. And so he puts on the robe and the old turban and he's just watching movies in the attic and yep. crying. <laughs> I see Bracken Reed in a turban and a pink robe watching old movies. <laughs> but then the best, the oh. best character of the whole episode shows up. And his name is arrives. Travis Struthers, Travis the parrot expert. Struthers. We must go. We must do what he says. They hold a grudge in these things, you know. It's an African gray. Parrot knows when he's cussing you out. Yep. <laughs> made for life. The story he tells about the African elephant and the woman about how they can both turn on you. One one stormed at me across the veldt once. A woman? <laughs> You're funny. Um, can I tell you about famous talking parrots involved in crimes? Yes, please. You know, I think we've talked about this before. And I it I'm getting some deja vu about okay. parrots. I, I didn't search my notes. Anyway. There's no parrot in, in Midsummer. Not that I can remember. No. There is one parrot who gave a TED Talk. It's not a crime to give a TED Talk, but... <laughs> 
just as a side note, a parrot named Einstein. It's only a crime to tell everybody you did a TED Talk. That's true. Did not stop talking about your TED Talk. Einstein the parrot, who knows 200 words and gave a TED Talk. Yes. Is also famous for watching his owners take showers and saying things like, look at you, you're all wet. Okay. And saying bombs away every time he poops. No. I don't want that bird in my house. No. Let's talk about two. It's bad enough we have the cat that won't stop screaming. (laughs) She, She just yells. All the time. And sometimes she says, hello. (laughs) It's weird. She's 15. I think she's a little crazy. Anyway, two parrots involved in crimes. Yes. I think there's a third parrot who probably witnessed a murder, but didn't get to testify. Okay. That we might have mentioned in some other story. Maybe. Some... Animals involved in We're 177 crimes. In episodes I in. I think people will forgive us for repeating. But these two are great. Did you know what the word clues from? Sorry. In 2015 in Agra, India, a woman and her dog were murdered in a botched robbery. And her parrot, whose name was Hercule. Oh! Identified the nephew. Nice! Yes. That's... That's a story right there. When when the police came to the scene, they brought the nephew for questioning or something. The parrot and the nephew saw each other and the parrot started saying, no, get out, don't get out in the wife's voice. Yep. The murdered woman's voice. And that's, they were like, we need to talk to you some more, nephew. Yeah, that's chilling. So the parrot didn't testify, but he may as well have. Might and well. his name was Hercule. And his name was Hercule. Which is awesome. That's fantastic. The other one is even better. In 2010, the Colombian police held, they performed like the biggest raid on these um, drug gangs that they had ever done like successfully, like really big successful raid. And the reason why they hadn't been successful before was that these Colombian drug gangs train parrots to identify police and yell things like, run, run, you're going to get caught. Oh. When they see a police car. Wow. And so the police had to evade the parrots to perform a successful raid. Yeah. Okay. The parrots were basically accomplices. Yeah. But it's like a lookout. But it's a common thing for drug lords to do this. It's not like just one did it. Oh, it's common? There's a lot of them that do it. They train parrots to identify police. I think that's amazing. Yeah, that's It's fantastic. very clever, yeah. but awful because it is. they're bad they're people. They're drug dealers. That special chicken soup that Mrs. Burgess brings him looks like a bowl of egg yolk. Where? With puke floating in it. It's Enid's child. Alwyn's doing Alwyn things. He's off finding robots and stuff. Murdoch sees. Maybe he's hanging out with Joel Harris, the fugitive, because, you know, they're all in cahoots. Murdoch sees that the mouse is dead. <laughs> I have once again in my notes, Murdoch needs to find a new place to mm-hmm. live. Maybe it's reddish hair or mutton chops. Just, I, lo- I want Struthers to be a returning character so bad. I do, too. But spoiler, he never comes back. But he's so awesome. I've been drugged. With opium and mercury. So Murdoch finds Mrs. Kitchen tied up yep. in another room. She's barely tied up. I have a special drink for you. It's poison. Yeah. Knock, knock. And then there's the old lady fight to end all old lady fights. Even though I know Mrs. Burgess is not really an old lady. She's a middle-aged woman pretending to be older. It's a wig, baby. (laughs) But he unties Mrs. Kitchen, but has her pretend she's still tied up. And then she whacks the crap out of Mrs. Burgess. She does. She goes to town. Yeah. (laughs) 
because Murdoch is in no shape yeah. to fight. He's like, get out, passes out. Because <laughs> they've been giving him chloral nitrate. With a crowbar, she goes after Yeah, him. she really whacks her. Yeah. Which, you know, Mrs. Burgess deserves. But not, not until after Murdoch has already sort of taken Mrs. Burgess out by shoving his night vision goggles on her. Yeah. To blind her. This fight is so. It's, it's very much Jimmy Stewart in rear window in the dark, flashing his camera flash at the murderer. This is very much rear window Jimmy Stewart in the dark, flashing his camera flash at Perry Mason or Raymond Burr is the actor's name. Yes. <laughs> no, he's not really Perry Mason, but he played him on TV. Yep. He's the murderer and he's coming after him at the dark. That's Murdoch putting the night vision goggles on Mrs. Burgess to blind her. It's not the best choreographed fight. <laughs> Just saying. Well, there's two old ladies, two old ladies and a high guy with a fever. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> they're doing the best they can. They, they and are. Mrs. Kitchen finishes hard. Yes. She, she wackadoodles her on the head, digs her out. And that's what knocks her wig off. That yeah. was a well affixed wig. It took a crowbar to knock it off. <laughs> Let me get this wig off. You. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to find out that, okay, so Mrs. Burgess is not really Mrs. Burgess and that she's the compatriot girlfriend, whatever, of Joel Harris, the fugitive, and they're looking for the gold. And that the former tenant was very good with plaster work. Yes. Now, Murdoch's been in this bed for a week, and he's just noticing this now. He's lived there for how long and looked up at the ceiling from that bed? Enid's poisoning him again. (laughs) (laughs) Eat this now. Drink this. Alvin's like, do it, Mom. Do it. Do it. (laughs) He'll be ours. (laughs) I'm surprised she didn't try to move him to her house to take care of him. That's a very Enid thing to do, I think. Yes. I have in my notes, it wasn't bold. It was gross. Oh, when she kisses him? Yes. Oh, was that too bold? No, it was gross. He's sick. Leave him alone. Wait till he's better to try to put the moves on him. He's incapacitated and cannot give consent. No, this is, yeah. So Brighouse, the person that we've talked to twice, is the murderer. Yes. He's the one who killed LaRue. I couldn't bear the fights anymore. And an argument that got out of control. put the finger in my salad. He acts like, oops, I killed him, and then I didn't know what to do. But you also shoved a finger in his throat. Like, you took a finger out of a jar and put it in his throat. Yeah, I think there was... A little malice involved there. A reenactment scene that we just didn't see. Because it would have been too nasty. Yeah. Because he stabbed him in the neck. But what I like is, like I said, the whole plot with Higgins and Crabtree has a beginning, a middle, and end. Oh, it's a full case. They're the heroes. Yep. They solve it. So we have we even talked about the moment where George goes, let me just stare off into space yeah. like Murdoch does and come up See with See if the an answer. answer comes to me. No, it's not working. I'm, I'm imagining a montage, oh, but it doesn't end with a solution. No. But, but then but then he does. But then he does. Yeah, it's very meta that he does that. He's like, uh, Murdoch always does this staring off into space sees a mental montage in his head, has a little brainstorm. Yeah, that's comes so up with fantastically an meta. Yeah. They're totally funny. making fun of Murdoch. They're making fun of him, yeah. Because he's not there. <laughs> no, he's in the clutches of Enid. <sighs> so your your conspiracy is that Enid is using these criminal elements <laughs> to use 
to get to things like this gold. I think it's very possible, probable, but not maybe not possible, that Enid has her mind set on Murdoch and has shaped herself into the kind of person that he would like and dropping little things like, I built a telescope once, and and coaching her son to say things like, I just need a daddy and... My mom knows Morse code or whatever, knows all the codes to better appeal to a man who is a very good catch. It it totally feels like I'm saying these things to my crush and they are awkward. Uh, it's a little on the nose. It's yeah. a little try hard. But when she says, well, it's a shame they didn't even find the gold they were looking for. She's out for money, too. I, I can almost imagine that, you know, because her dead husband was probably a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> that she... Um, okay, I'm just going to I'm just going to say this. I'm going to say I'm this. I'm making shit up But now. if you put lips on my face and your husband has died in the last two years... I want to know why. <laughs> yeah, why hasn't Julia looked up how her husband died? How I did can understand she why Murdoch... know where Julia was? She's had all these people under surveillance. Uh-huh. She's never been to the morgue before, nope. has she? No, she has Unless hasn't. she went there to see her dead husband. Mm. Mm. You don't go to the morgue if you just die of natural causes. Nope. Mm-hmm. But it is nice that she goes and gets Julia and they have the weirdest close sitting carriage ride ever. Yeah. (laughs) It's like girlfriend and ex-girlfriend having to hang out with each other. Awkward. Those are nice. Murdoch's glad he's sick not and doesn't have to be there for that. But I I am comforted by imagining (laughs) that 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 Enid is a has some contacts in the criminal class. And knows about Joel Harris's plot yes. to find this gold and sort of helps him get caught. Toronto's not that big and, of a town. And uh, sort of wants to find that gold herself. What a shame they weren't even able to find it. What a shame. It must be in this room. Coincidence. Meanwhile, Alwyn's climbing up on the ceiling, scratching at everything. Where is he? This one's not shining, Where Mom. is he? He's in the attic. His mom's making out with Murdoch, sick Murdoch, and... He's nowhere to be seen. Your lips are so warm. I guess it's from your fever. Okay. Best corpse. Clearly. LaRue. LaRue. Or his finger. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving it to his finger. Where's the parrot go? Struthers is going to um, oh, yeah. take him. Struthers is going to take him and release him. That's yeah. right. That's They're going right. to be best friends. That's right. I think he keeps it. I want the Struthers and the parrot show. Yes, me too. <laughs> this has, off, this has uh, Offshoot offshoots yeah. all over it. <laughs> It's the Struthers, his sideburns, and the parrot. Because <laughs> his sideburns are a character all by themselves. Yes, they are. And so after the credits, Mrs. Kitchen is freed. Yep. And able to help Murdoch recover. All the baddies go to jail. Mm-hmm. The baddies all go to jail. The parrot is going off with Struthers and then, I guess, back to where it came from to be released. Wait a minute. Okay. So Brighouse kills him in the restaurant. Mm. Then he drags him outside. Mm-hmm. Why? Um, to make it look like he wasn't killed in the restaurant. Then he goes and gets a wheelbarrow. Why? I don't know. Because he changed his mind? And then he takes off. Why? Because <laughs> if he just walked with that wheelbarrow right past them, he wouldn't have looked as suspicious as, oh, I got to run. Okay, but let's just say you're walking with a wheelbarrow for a perfectly innocent reason. Yes. 
okay, down an alley, and you see, as you turn a corner at the end of the alley, there are police and a body. What do you do? You don't just keep going. You stop and think, I should go another way. Yes, but you don't He stops. He stops, and at that point, he's fine, but then he runs. Yeah, but they have to have a reason for Murdoch to fall. Yeah, if it's even him. Yeah. If it's not some completely innocent dude who just didn't want the police to talk to him because he, well, isn't completely innocent, but isn't involved in that yeah. crime, right? That that guy with the wheelbarrow might have nothing to do with LaRue. Absolutely. He could be a body snatcher. Could be. Going to sell him to a medical I school or something. Down here. I went to get my wheelbarrow and come back and get him so I could sell him. And yeah. uh, there's people here. People here now. Yeah, I think that's a little uh, anachronistic time-wise, but it worked. All right, we've all been waiting for this. Is it time? Is it time? time. It's like Christmas. (laughs) I'm so excited. Horrible movies. Oh, it's a horrible movie. I wasn't allowed to see Sarah's notes. No, nope. not allowed to look at pictures. No, 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 not no, allowed no. to do anything no, 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 like no, no, that. No, 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 no. This is a 1988 movie. Okay. And uh, Brian Frank, who plays—is this, is this a Canadian movie? I'm not saying anything. Okay. Okay. Um, Brian Frank, who plays Joel Harris, the fugitive in this episode, is yes. in this movie. Ooh, he's barely in this episode. So let me give you a little summary here. Okay. After a worldwide nuclear war. Ooh where 68% of the male population was wiped out and virile men become a rarity, a character whose name I won't mention, a scavenger and highly virile man is assigned to help rescue a group of fertile women kidnapped by humanoid blank. Wow. The the parts of this movie have went on to be in parts of other movies that are much better. Mm-hmm. Like This is a little Mad Max uh, Fury Road. Oh, let me let me, let me give you a, a, a secondary summary. Here. Okay, because it's just better. The more <laughs> details, the better it gets. Okay, blank is the name of the hero of the story. He's a prisoner of the women who now run the USA after a nuclear biological war. Results of the war are that mutants have evolved. And the human race is in danger of extinction due to infertility. Blank is given the task of helping in the rescue of a group of fertile women from the harem of the mutant leader. Oh, this is so Fury Road. Our hero cannot escape since he has a bomb attached to his private parts. What? Which will detonate if he strays more than 100 yards from his guards. What? The main character spends the entire movie with a bomb strapped to his crotch. I told you. It's fantastically awful. This is fantastically awful. And I have never seen this movie before. Okay, so I win? Yes. Okay, so now I can tell you that the the starring role is is um, played by Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh! The wrestler. The rodster. And it is called... Now, Rowdy Roddy Piper is in the movie They Live, which yes. we both love. Yes. And... Is but responsible for the line, I've come to kick ass and, and chew, chew bubble, bubble gum, gum. And I'm and all out of bubble all gum. All out of bubble gum. <laughs> he is fantastic in this movie, in, in that movie, but he is by no means an actor. Okay. In this movie, his name, the character's name that he plays is Sam Hell. Sam Hell. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the movie is called... Yeah. Hell comes to Frogtown. Okay, I've heard of that movie. Because the mutants resemble frogs. I've heard of Hell comes to Frogtown, but I've <laughs> never seen it. That's fantastic. We must now watch Hell comes to Frogtown. So, Roddy Piper in the whole movie 
has this thing that looks like a chastity belt, like a metal bikini yep. on that says, and the front, it has stenciled on it, like property of the U.S. government and has like two blinking lights all the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> so even when he runs, he runs kind of weird because he's got this big metal bikini on all the time. That movie is horrible. <laughs> and the frog people are so funny. They all look like Kermit. It's hilarious. <laughs> You have to just look at the pictures on IMDb. Oh, it's awesome. Wow. This is this is bad. <laughs> this is And Brian Frank, who plays Jill Harris in this episode of Murdoch, plays one of the frog people. Oh. So he is in full prosthetics. Yeah. <laughs> I I know why I didn't see this movie. Because it looks too awesome to handle. It does look a bit too <laughs> awesome to handle. Yeah, it doesn't hurt that all of the, the women who run the government who have taken him hostage all also want to have sex with him because he's virile and they're fertile. There's a sign in the background that says, making babies is our business, our only business. Yeah, because there's a government program to restart the wow. human race. Oh, whoa, that is a chastity belt yes, right there. You see the pictures. Wow. It says property of provisional government yes. on it. Wait till you see the frog people. Keep going. Wow. Okay. Frog we have to put people. some of these photos in the, we'll put, we'll the notes put, from the show. We'll put this in the notes for the show. <laughs> wow. There are a lot of women who wear. Want to have sex with Roddy Piper. Yep. This is a uh, Roddy's agent came up with this movie thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen a frog person? No, I'm not. Keep going. The... Keep going. He's... Oh, <laughs> they're fantastic! Wow. <laughs> One of them has lipstick and earrings on. Yeah. He looks like the. It looks like Dame Edna as a frog. That's a drag frog. Uh, yes. Right there. <laughs> Hell comes to drag frogs. Yes. It's called Hell Comes to Frogtown from 1988, and that is a point for me. That is definitely a point for you. Wow. <laughs> is it going on your must-watch list now? I am going to watch that movie. <laughs> Hell Comes to Frogtown. Oh, that's, that's your horrible movie fantastic. for this week. Fantastic. That unbelievably good. And that is season two, episode nine, Convalescence Murdoch. You can find us. On Maniacs, Mystery Maniacs on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anything else. If uh, you find us on the YouTube, please subscribe and ring the little bell and like and all that good stuff. It yeah, does help other people find us. And helps. a lot of people find us for the first time yep. on YouTube. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's kind of the gateway to the podcast for a lot of people who are not big podcast listeners. So please do that. Next week, I'll try not to geek out too much, but it's a telegraph episode. Telegraphs. <laughs> uh, September 18th will be released Murdoch Mysteries, season two, episode 10, Murdoch.com. Yes. It's the closest thing to the internet until many seasons later of Murdoch. I will have to double check, but I'm pretty sure the people who read the, uh, who, who wrote this episode probably read the book, the, or uh, it's called the first internet. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Victorian internet. Yeah. That's what it's yeah. called. And which is all about how the telegraph is the beginning of the internet, which it is. Don't worry, folks. I will reign in his geekery <laughs> or force him to edit it out. September 25th, we'll cover Murdoch Mysteries episode 11, season two. Let us ask the maiden. And then we have two more episodes left. And then we're going to switch to Father Brown. Yeah. So until then, 
enjoy some pumpkin spice, something or other. Fall if it makes you happy because it makes me happy. Woo! Woo! And we will see you next time. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. But this one, I mean, it's got the, what, what do they call that? Um, uh, the, the filler they used to put in packages before, hey. before peanuts. No, it's got its own, there's a name for it. I have no idea. Oh, oh, what is the name? You have to edit this out. Okay. I'm Excelsior. At- that's what it's called. No, that's what Stanley sees. Look it up. Sees.